Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, Ben, I know you just had a big interview with Troy and you're probably all fired up. I need you to reset, center your chi, and let's do a... Oh, what a week. What do you say? <laughs> oh, what a night. Late September. Sorry, I did have a great interview with uh, Troy LaRabi. Oh, you let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> and, um, man, I'll tell you what. Troy LaRabie, that man, when he gets going on a riff, it's like Hendrix on guitar. Nothing but gold. Wow. <laughs> or me on air guitar. That's what I was going to say. Or Ben Jarofsky doing uh, an air guitar. That's pretty good, too. How's it going, everybody? We're alive. Yes, uh, Troy LaRavier interview coming up this weekend. We're going to talk more about that. Do not worry. Your Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, what a week for September 3rd is just moments away. And yes, you have a song of the day, Ben. You, I repeat, you have a song of the day. Uh, but today's show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. The Chicago Teachers Union, they are sponsors. Yes, it's true. Uh, and also, Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Go subscribe. Check out Chicago Reader. Also, You'll find the latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell everybody about the column. Oh, I wrote about your favorite uh, Floridian, John Catanzaro. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The head of the and, I, and I cite you. You got to read the story. That's just great. I, That's great. I you, you. You mentioned me in the story about uh, the police guy. That's awesome. He's going to be coming yes. to my house. Oh, I had to give you a shout out. It's my new, I'm going to be honest, uh, phase of life. And now you're saying, well, Ben. Was your previous phase a dishonest one? Oh, you listeners are shrewd. I can't get anything past you. But I, I, I'm determined to give credit to absolutely everybody for their original ideas, as opposed to everybody else in the media just steals stuff. Uh, anyway, um, Dennis has been one who's been saying for months that John Catanzaro belongs in Florida. He would be uh, God in Florida. So I mentioned that in passing in my story about uh, Catanzaro for Fraternal yeah. Order Police. That's great. Our attitudes about liberty and the vaccine. I've been listening to police scanners ever since he told me that. Waiting for oh, that Dr. D's a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Rubber lucky. <laughs> Haven't heard it yet. Haven't heard it yet. But uh, yeah, check out the latest column from our very own Ben Jarowski. You can also find articles from like years ago, too. All right. Check it out. ChicagoReader.com. All right. Let's start the show. No disco dancing. It is Friday, September 3rd. And live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh What a Week. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this D.L. Hewley Friday, and here's why. Because before we do Oh What a Week, I gotta give a shout out to D.L. Hewley. You know I love this man. D, ever since I've been following on Instagram, I'm always sending, did you see D.L. DL Hewley's latest? Did you see? People are like, oh, my God. This guy's weird. But D.L. Hewley's latest, I will now read it. I already read it to uh, Troy LaRabier, so this is a twofer for me. I'm rereading it twice and within an hour. Quote, 
You won't force a 15-year-old to wear a mask at school, but you'll force her to be a mother? F.U. Texas. D.L. Hewley. Yes! When I read that, I'm going, yeah, the man speaks for me. D.L. Hewley, great comedian. And he's, man, he's, he's a lefty. Uh, so shout out to D.L. Hewley. All right, D., uh, on to you for Oh, What a Week. By the way, I didn't, what was my song? I always forget the song of the week. Frank, I'm so sorry. Your song of the week. I've been forgetting that lately. Uh, it is, let's see here, Summer in the City by Loving Spoon. No, it's the Loving Spoonful. <laughs> You've never says. heard of the Loving Spoonful? No, believe it or not. I've no, you know what? I believe that. That was, that was really uh, reverse ageist of me. Yes, it was. Yeah, so I apologize to all millennials everywhere. There, there's no reason you should know who the Loving Spoonful uh, are or is, was. Although you like one of, we sing, the leader of the Loving Spoonful is a guy named John Sebastian. And we frequently, I frequently see sing his song in the show, and you know the song, and I will now sing it. <clears throat> welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> For the Loving Spoonful of God, please sing the song that Frank requested. Uh, hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting something gritty. <laughs> and then they have the, the car horns. <laughs> Where's Jesse Sharkey? I, uh, <laughs> Jesse, we love you, man. Come on now. <laughs> well, this is an interesting way to start the program. Sorry about that, Frank. I'll be, I'll be better about that uh, on the song of the day before we start the song. I'm glad you brought that up, Ben. All right, how's it going? Before we talk about what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week, Ben, if you could, we talked about uh, it briefly here. Give us a rundown of this weekend's Benny J bonus interview lineup. Oh, we got a great line, if I must say so myself. It's been a great week. Okay. Yeah, it's well, it's been a lot happening this week. I don't know how great it is, but yes, it's been a well for guests like our guests on the program. It's yes. been a great oh, week. We have awesome, yes, Sam Holloway yesterday, uh, and Miles Conflasen. Uh, I just felt like what podcast in the world is going to have two lefties on it like that, you know? And uh, God bless them both; they did a great job. And and then Monroe on on Wednesday. I know I'm doing this weeks, but Monroe battling with Del Marie yeah, yeah. over Rob. Come on, those heavyweights, Chicago heavyweights. Uh, anyway, um, Monroe, Monroe was like, oh, man, Ron rode his bike around Lake Michigan. What's the deal? <laughs> Come on. Get over it. I hate to say it, Monroe, but Del Marie was like. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, and then on uh, Saturday, uh, on Tuesday, Stacey Davis Gates herself, the great SDG, Stacey Davis Gates, always a, one, of, one of my favorite guests. Um, but uh, I just finished interviewing Troy LaRivier, head of the Chicago Principal Association. Troy was on fire. Dude. He was just on fire. Started talking about all the, the difficulties uh, with the, the CPS uh, has had opening the schools in any kind of logical, rational way. And, and he just went on a great tangent about how mayors use schools to uh, promote themselves and their uh, messaging devices and PR campaigns, some great Troy LaRavier riffs. And then he, then we got on the whole thing about Liberty and anti-vaxxers and uh, it was some good stuff too. So Troy is just taking a deep dive on all the issues of the day. And then there's two interviews I haven't done yet, but I'm really looking forward to. And one is uh, Keith Forsyth and folks, Keith Forsyth is an activist um, who's uh, even older than I am, if such a thing is possible. But if you've ever seen the movie 1971, you know, the story, a bunch of activists, uh, broke into an FBI office in uh, Pennsylvania and stole files from the FBI. And then they released those files to reporters. And that's how we learned about the programs 
that the FBI had back in the day where they were spying on uh, black activists, Black Panthers, et cetera, and so forth, and anti-war activists. So uh, Keith Forsythe uh, will be on the show uh, talking about his life and uh, the break-in uh, at, I think it's called Media, Media Pennsylvania. And Dave Sirota. Dennis is, uh, loves Dave Sirota. Bernie Sanders, former press secretary, now has his own uh, blog. Uh, and uh, he's, man, he's digging up dirt on Rahm Emanuel. He's leading the charge. He doesn't want Rahm Emanuel to be approved as ambassador uh, to Japan. Neither do I, and neither is dumb Rika. Well, let's get Monroe on the call. Let's get Monroe on the call for this Sirota <laughs> interview when you talk about that, huh? <laughs> Poor Monroe, man. Del Marie was so quick. <laughs> oh, Monroe's like, damn, damn, I'm on the ropes. Hell. <laughs> So uh, we're going to leave Monroe out of this one. He took enough beating from Delbury Cobb on Wednesday's show. Anyway, uh, Dave Sirota will be here as well. So I'm looking for I, I, He hasn't been on the show in a while. He's been a very busy man, Mr. Sirota, but uh, he's been digging up some dirt on Rom, and I know he loves bashing Rom as much as the next guy, so that'll be a lot of fun. It's this weekend's Benny J. Bonus Interviews, available at chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky this weekend or wherever else. You download your podcast. Download them. Subscribe. Write us a review. Five stars only. Okay. Local news. Let's do it. We begin in Illinois, and we begin with Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Springtime. Love it. It's September. (laughs) On Tuesday, Governor Pritzker showed some love to our Illinois farmers, and he announced the expansion of farmer mental health initiatives statewide. Yes, There are farmers struggling with mental health issues. I've grown up with several farmers in my life. They're a quiet bunch, so I'm glad they're getting some help. Here's the governor. Make no mistake, our farm communities are the toughest of the tough. And when it comes to mental health, asking for help is sometimes the bravest thing that you can do. Mental health care is health care. Ben, do you know many farmers? Do I know any farmers? Yes. But do I know many farmers? No. I thought you, I couldn't tell if you saw any or many, but I do. I knew, I knew my, the farmers I know probably not. I don't know how represented they are of farmers in general because they're real lefty. Okay. Well, it's more than people that just grow pot, you know, more than that, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I know some serious lefty uh, uh, farmers, guys in Iowa who are always like on the far left and, uh, uh, you know, supported like, Dennis Kucinich for president. That's left. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know any conservative farmers. Which well, like I said, I don't they're a quiet bunch. They, uh, you know, whatever feelings they have, they just bottle it up inside and don't mention anything. So I'm glad, uh, you know, someone's calling this out and uh, trying to help them out. Well, I know a lot of farmers who. I mean, DB doesn't bottle anything in. Darren Bailey, he's a farmer, isn't he? The state senator from downstate. That is true. That is true. I've never heard him bottle anything up. (laughs) I wish he would be bottled up. Half the stuff he says is so dumb. I'm like, don't say it, DB. Uh, But (laughs) DB, the leading Republican in the state of Illinois, only because Rob Blagojevich can't run for office. DB, I hate to say it. It was you versus Blago. 101 for the Republican nomination, he would mop the floor with you. <laughs> Donald Trump would come to state and endorse Rob Blagojevich, and that'd be it for DB. What Hate a, to say it, D. What a weird time to be alive. Just that conversation right there. Just thinking about Darren Bailey versus Rod Blagojevich. Like, my mind just kind of <laughs> <I know>. explodes. <laughs> and hey, don't 
any of you ever say the Ben Jarofsky Show does not support their local farmers, all right? Because it's time for our weekly, yes, <laughs> weekly, all right? We've been doing this, Illinois Crop Report with Illinois Crop Statistician Mark Schlesiner. Take it away, Mark. For soybeans, 95% of acres were setting pods compared to 96% one year ago and 94 for the five-year average. Soybean conditions improved from last week and were reported as 7% very poor to poor, 22 fair, and 71% good to excellent. That's good. 71% good to excellent. His enunciation is so good. I could learn from him. You know, I've been worried about my enunciations. Sometimes I slur... You know, but he's so clear. Seventy-one percent and ninety. Yeah, <laughs> ninety. He's good. Good stuff from him. I was taking notes on that. Support your local farmer. And hey, what do you know? Finally, an approach to homelessness in Illinois. Today, actually, uh, J.B. Pritzker announced his comprehensive and integrated approach to combating homelessness. J.B., what are we estimating here, bud? We estimate that over 10,000 of our neighbors across Illinois are experiencing homelessness right this moment. But I want to be clear that homelessness is a circumstance. It is not an identity. Well, Governor, what can that be? It can be a transgender teen banished from a house that refuses them. It can be a single mother of three escaping one bad option for another. It can be a person with disabilities, an actual working but underemployed adult, a veteran, a senior. I'll tell you what, D. I'm a fan of J.B. Pritzker. I'm just going to say it. Everybody knows it. You know, I always have to acknowledge I didn't vote for him in the primary. All right, Terry Cosgrove, stop rubbing it in. I was slow to jump aboard the bandwagon. Yeah, I didn't like the uh, the whole toilet gate thing. Yeah, I criticized him all over for that. But I just think he just has an empathy uh, that he expresses on a regular basis within when he's having these press conferences. I don't know. Maybe it's just PR and I'm a sucker, but it seems like he really cares about the people he's talking about, like farmers with mental health issues. And that, that's a serious freaking problem. Not just, I'm just for farmers, just anybody trying to address their mental health. I know this cause I've got my own. And so you got to deal with it. My friends bearing it and ignoring it. It's not going to do any damn thing, but you're right. You're made fun of. Oh my God. Are you weird? You say you went to a therapist. Ooh, something wrong with you? This country's so weird. You know, and uh, they'll take deworming pills. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. But uh, so I have anything that promotes people getting help for whatever demons they have inside their, their brains that are really troubling them. Anybody, I urge them to do it. I'd like to see that program expanded for Chicago police officers and firefighters uh, and Chicago journalists, for that matter. But uh, so anyway, I, I, uh, I like uh, I applaud Governor Pritzker for both of those initiatives. Why do you think it is like homelessness kind of seems to they kind of gloss over that a lot in politics? It seems like now they're really kind of nipping it. The other states are doing it, too. But it just seems like, you know, when running for office, no one really brings up uh, the fight of homelessness. Well, that's a great question, and it gets at the heart of our capitalist society. And this was a great riff that Troy Laravier went on. Uh, and by the way, uh, uh, Sam Holloway yesterday. But, uh, 
you know, we are a capitalist society and uh, you're not supposed to have a lot of sympathy for people who can't pay their rent. And if you fall behind on your rent, this, we're seeing this right now with the whole issue about whether uh, landlords should be allowed uh, to evict people. Uh, and uh, I just saw this, uh, the fellow, who I can't remember his name, the libertarian guy that they publish in the Sun-Times. He, he writes from the libertarian perspective, scolding Biden and the feds for trying to protect people from being evicted, saying that's an unwarranted government intrusion of the free market uh, and hurting landlords. So immediately it's that instinct to be on the side of the landlord or the capitalist. We have a capitalist system. So if you're down and out, you can't pay your rent. And uh, it's just like the attitude that you have that, that's prevalent about if you have some troubling mental issues. Oh, you're a loser. Nobody cares about you. Uh, so that to me, D, gets at the heart of it. You know, it's all you got to pay your rent. As long as you can pay your rent, you're OK. And uh, there's not a lot of sympathy in our country for people who can't pay their rent. I mean, I know you walk down the street with people. Like when you see somebody's down and out and panhandling, I've walked. Dennis has never done this, folks. Even in a, I wouldn't even do that as a joke because Dennis, this is not how he rolls. But there are people I know, like under their breath, you know, bleep him, right? And uh, that's that attitude, you know. But Charles Barkley, remember what he said about Michael Jordan? Remember that one, the famous Barkley one, where Barkley and Jordan were walking down the street, and there was a guy panhandling, and Jordan said, "Go get a job." And uh, Barkley said, "That's cold, uh, Michael. I'm not going to do my Charles Barkley." I come on, come on, Michael. Charles. That's terrible. That's terrible, Michael. And Michael said, if he's got enough energy to be panhandling on the street, he's got enough energy to go work at McDonald's. That was Michael Jeffrey Jordan's attitude. And Barkley, Barkley, I think he later told a story that he went back and he gave the guy like $100. That's the difference between Barkley and John. That's why yeah. I love Charles Barkley, man. That yeah. guy's got a heart, huge heart. It's not It's not uh, a popular thing when athletes like LeBron James and they, when uh, people tell him this, but uh, with Michael Jordan, uh, dude, dribble the ball, please. Please stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the views and opinions of Dr. D are those of Dr. D and do not necessarily reflect those of the Ben Jarofsky show. Back to you, Dr. Hey, D. Michael, great opinions. Hey, help. Here's this ball, dude. Please stop talking. Whoa, look at that shot. Hey, we have some legal recreational cannabis news to discuss. Did not know that. All right. Surprise. Uh, if it's a story about legal recreational cannabis in Illinois, well, you know what story we're going to. It's one from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tommy Two Joints Shuba. Have you talked to Tommy Two Joints in a while, Ben? I haven't, I haven't talked of... to the young Thomas in a while. He's been very busy. He covers far more than just reefer on cannabis. You know, he, he's become a star at the bright one. In fact, if you call him, you don't get him anymore. You get his assistant. Um, Mr. Shuba is very busy. He will try to get back to you. And, uh, it could be a week. That's Walter One Joint, by the way. That's his name. <laughs> Walter One Joint. Now, I haven't talked to young Thomas in a while, uh, but he does a great job for the Sun-Times. All right, so yeah, some uh, recreational cannabis news to discuss. State, fish, uh, state officials on Friday announced that a fourth, a fourth lottery for cannabis dispensary oh, licenses yeah. will now be held to give six applicant groups a chance to win additional permits after they were wrongfully excluded from drawings in an earlier lottery. Toy Hutchinson. Former guest on the Ben Jarofsky show. Haven't had Toy on in a while. It'd be great to have her back on. Uh, Toy Hutchinson, J.B. Pritzker's senior advisor on cannabis control, explained in a call with reporters that a clerical oversight 
led to some groups having less chances than they deserved and others having more shots in the first lottery held on July 29th. The errors affected the drawing for five of the 17 regions where the licenses are designated. Just get these licenses out as soon as you can. Just give everybody who wants one a license. How about that, D? Wouldn't that be interesting? The Ben Jarofsky approach. You want a license? Here's a license. Good luck starting it up. Uh, yeah, yeah no, this, is, uh, this is an effort that we talk about all the time to make sure uh, that people who are locked out of the, uh, the drug, the very lucrative reefer market, uh, get an opportunity to make a little money. And as I always point out, uh, black people uh, took the hard hit on the war on drugs, so they should be at the front of the line, in my humble opinion. I don't make policy in the state of Illinois. I just talk about it uh, in my attic overlooking the porta potty. But in my humble opinion, black people should be at the front of the line getting these licenses because they sure took the hit on the war on drugs. Now, Ben, I'm not sure. Uh, is this the first time Toy has kind of brought this up, kind of admitting that it was a little flawed, or is this not? Uh, no, she's brought it up a couple other times. Um, we, You know, I, I can't wait to when Toy moves on uh, in her career and she can start coming back <laughs> to the Ben Jaroska show. But, you know, the... the Governor Pritzker appointees, they don't want to come. <laughs> no matter how much I love JB, they don't want to come on this show. It's like Mayor Lightfoot appointed. Oh, not a good idea. Uh, let's stay away from the hippie guy uh, and his weirdo producer. Uh, so, no. But wait, as soon as she's done with this gig, folks, Toy Hutchinson is a force. She's funny. She's smart. So I, I look forward to her coming back in her future role, whatever that may be. Yeah, and uh, my apologies for that, by the way, on uh, the Pritzker issue. I'm yeah. not a perfect person. <laughs> not sure what it is, man. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk map redistricting. Yeah, who are we kidding? Let's be honest. Let's let me play a little audio and then read something someone else wrote about map redistricting. And then let's have Ben actually talk about map redistricting, because I can't help but get lost and confused any and every time we talk about map redistricting. The House of Representatives approved new legislative maps this week. This will change the state representatives for many people across Illinois, but the proposed maps are coming under fire from many different sides. I'm stopping right there, and I'm throwing the ball to you, Benny J. Wow. It's one of my favorite topics in the whole universe. Uh, redistricting it happens every 10 years, just so everybody knows, uh, that we have a rule which uh, we don't completely abide by, but that every district should have roughly the same number of people in it. Uh, that way, one district doesn't have more representation than another, because if you have fewer people in your district, then presumably you would have uh, more representation. Now, you're going to ask first question, well, why, if that's our principle when it comes to legislative districts uh, and uh, congressional districts, et cetera, and so forth, do we not apply it to the presidential race when we have an electoral system in which small states like Wyoming have far more say than large states like Illinois and California? To which I'll say, absolutely, great point. You're very observant. We are an inconsistent society, uh, largely hypocritical. And we say one thing one day and something else another day. So, yes, good point, listeners, for raising that. All right. Now, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and <laughs> Illinois beat reporter Rachel Hinton. 
says here, a leading Latino advocacy group on Thursday called on Governor J.B. Pritzker to veto new legislative boundaries just passed by the General Assembly, saying the latest maps, quote, do not equitably reflect the state's Latino community. The Latino Policy Forum argues that not only did Democratic map makers fail to increase the number of Latino majority legislative districts in line with population growth, but they also diminished Hispanic voting power in some districts. In a statement released Thursday, the group went on to say the General Assembly, quote, did not provide advocates with a reasonable timeline that would enable community input. After pushing the maps based on population estimates through the General Assembly in May, legislators had to return to the drawing board this week to revise those maps with actual figures from the census that were released in August. Yes, this is where things get really messy, complicated, and convoluted, and this is where Republicans step in and take advantage of things because they are really good. I, got, I can't say much about Republicans, but they're very good at taking advantage of squabbles between Democrats. Uh, so de- essentially, the Democratic strategy is to uh, spread out the state in such a way, uh, write the boundaries of each district in such a way as to guarantee the election of Democratic legislators and undercut the ability of Republicans to win. Uh, in other words, due to Republicans in Illinois, where Republicans are doing to Democrats in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Texas, Georgia, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, the problem with uh, that strategy is that Republicans don't have to care about black people or uh, let, uh, Latino people, but Democrats do because blacks and Latinos are part of their coalition. Uh, and uh, it's very convenient for Republicans to create districts in which uh, you have huge concentrations of Latino people or huge concentrations of black people. It's called packing a district. Why is that advantageous of, of, for Republicans? Because that reduces the number of Democrats of blacks and Latinos that might vote for a Democratic candidate in potential swing districts. So if you pack a lot of Democrats into one district, that reduces their political power. Uh, on the other hand, you have many Latino activists and uh, advocates saying, well, we want to guarantee that an actual person of Latino with a Latino background gets elected. So in order to do that, you have to pack a lot of people. So we don't care necessarily if that undercuts the Democratic Party. We want to promote Latino political power. And similarly, there's black activists who say the same thing about Valerie Leonard, my good friend. Shout out to Valerie. Uh, pride and joy of Whitney Young High School. Dennis knows that. Uh, she's also filing. <laughs> Go Dolphins. You know, by the way, we've had a few difficulties uh, just I, sh- I shouldn't shatter the fourth wall, our efforts to have the show telecast. <laughs> no, no show like the Ben Jarofsky show has as much difficulties. Let's put it this way with the Internet. Uh, but uh, we're a few delays in our uh, efforts to have the show uh, 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 video. <laughs> See, you keep mentioning it. You just bury a hole for yourself. I know, I know. I shouldn't even mention it. But <laughs> but if you could have seen Dennis's face just then, you would have been laughing, too. It's a very funny face. Uh, anyway, Valerie Leonard has also uh, filed suit, I believe. And you know who's the happiest man? Jim Durkin, uh, the leader of the Republicans. Jim Durkin's like, yeah! <laughs> Woo! Why? Because Jim Durkin's the head of the Republicans and he wants to hold gets more Republicans elected. So he wants packed in Democratic districts that enables Republicans to maximize their advantage. The more Republicans he elects, the more what anti-abortion laws they could pass, the more anti-union laws they pass, the more anti-civil rights laws they pass. 
the more anti-masking laws they pass. Yes, DB, Darren Bailey could be writing the state laws on masking and social distancing. So it's like a really difficult challenge that the Democrats face when it comes to a map making. Dean, it almost makes me miss. Yes, I never thought I would say this. Michael Joseph map. Uh, Give me that map. Come on. How come Michael Joseph Madigan, who doesn't even have a cell phone, allegedly, I believe he had a cell phone, but allegedly doesn't know anything about the Internet, doesn't know anything about computers, doesn't know anything about cell phone technology. How come he was the mastermind of drawing a map? Huh? How come, ladies and gentlemen, when Michael Joseph Madigan leaves the room, Democrats fall apart? Anyway, so this is a fight that's going to go for a while, and the Republicans are really hoping, really hoping that this map is defeated because then they get an opportunity uh, to elect some Republican legislators who, as I said, will do whatever they can to make abortion illegal in the state of Illinois, do whatever they can to undercut the powers. Remember Bruce Rauner, what he tried to do to unions in Illinois? They'll go right back to it. Uh, so uh, defund education, kick money to private schools. So that's that's what we're up against in the state of Illinois. Uh, if the Republicans seize control due to Illinois, what Scotty Walker did to Wisconsin. Good God, this scaring me uh, just to consider it. Dean. So you're saying you miss Mike Madigan. Kind of. Michael, come back, Mikey. Michael Joseph Madigan. Oh, good thing you didn't jump on that bus, buddy. You would have been kicked off right now. Remember, I was like on the bus and I was off the bus. That was a great gag. Uh, it was awkward. Yes, I remember. It was great, great content. And, and then I can always can forget, like, is the if you're on the bus, are you for Madigan or are you against them? Because I couldn't remember what was the yeah, bus. The only person struggling with that. <laughs> Uh, it's the dyslexia kicking in. Wait, and I would always go, to, all right, D, hold on one more time. Is If you're on the bus, are you formatting it? And then it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Suddenly felt sorry for my chemistry teacher at Evanston Township High School. And I put up with me. Yeah, it wasn't a real bus. It was just a <laughs> fictitious thing, all right? <laughs> now get on. It was, wait a minute. Hold on. This is the first time I've heard this. Wait a minute. You telling me there wasn't a real bus? Uh, you really, we need to get these cameras going, right? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, hot damn, we got two, two Michael Madigan references in one week. What is this, 2019? <laughs> the following comes from the Chicago Tribune and Ray Long, a Hispanic candidate who lost a 2016 House Democratic primary to then-Speaker Michael Madigan, is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to weigh in on a case that alleges Madigan planted two sham candidates with Hispanic-sounding names on the ballot just to confuse voters and ensure a Madigan victory. In an appeal to the high court filed Thursday, Jason Gonzalez argues that lower court judges incorrectly tossed the matters on grounds that voters knew about the alleged sham candidates from uh, pre-primary publicity, and Madigan still won the 65% of the vote. The long-shot appeal, which must fire, uh, be accepted by the higher court, contends the prior decisions in the case had a chilling effect on future campaign speech. Oh, my God. Uh, first of all, the brains behind this lawsuit is uh, one, uh, Tony Pareka. Tony, what's going on? Uh, Tony used to be a Cook County commissioner. He uh, came out of, as I want to say, 
uh, Bill Lipinski's uh, organization on the southwest side. Is that right, Tony Perick? I think you came out of Bill Lipinski's organization way back when. In other words, he was a Democrat uh, somewhere along the way. He decided the Democrats were too far to the left for him, so he went to the, became a Republican. He got elected Cook County Board Commissioner, and as Dennis could tell you, he was the candidate the Republicans nominated to run against one, Todd Stroger, in the 2006 election for president of the Cook County Board Damn, Dennis knows his stuff. That's Good. unbelievable that you knew that. Uh, he's really on the far right, and he cannot stand the Democratic machine on the southwest side, uh, and he'll do everything he can to irritate them. And so, uh, Tony, th- you were really carrying this one to extremes. That election was in 2016. <laughs> it was for The guy who won the election, Michael Joseph Madigan, is not even the state rep anymore. He's been drummed out of politics one scandal after another he's facing federal indictment and tony's still fighting this fight and you know what i have to say this i give you credit tony for uh having uh what longevity on this one but i I, just hey i'm just being honest with you tony i don't think you have a leg to stand on this thing and by the way where are my libertarian friends they're never around when you need them to stand up for michael joseph madigan this the issue is this ladies and gentlemen michael joseph madigan's political organization put in two sham candidates with hispanic last name uh when uh, gonzalez was running against him and the notion was that voters in the district i forget what number district it was uh the legislative district that michael joseph madigan represented would be so confused by the hispanic names latino names they would just randomly start voting for well, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a Hispanic guy. I'll vote for him. And that undercut Gonzalez because he's a legitimate candidate. So he wants the courts to say it's illegal for a politician to put up a sham candidate. I call that unwarranted government intrusion in our electoral politics. Where are my libertarian friends to stand with me? Where was Tony Pareka? Hey, Tony, where were you in Michigan when were Republicans who were doing this with Kanye West? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where were you, Tony? I didn't see you up in Michigan arguing this is outrageous that a sham candidate like Kanye West would be put in the ballot to take away Democrat votes from Joe Biden and let Michigan go to Donnie Trump. See, that's the thing about Republicans. They don't believe in the principles that they advocate. They're just tactics that they use. Now, in this case, four years, Tony Pareka, let it go. Come on, Tony, let's do some deep breathing. Let it go. Michael Joseph Madigan is not even the state. Right. And by the way, you got 60% of the vote. Now, it's true. Tony Perica, I was not a great student at mathematics at Evans Township High School. You are far better at math than I am. But I could tell you that there's no combination of mathematics that you can come up with or adding and subtracting that would in any way take away a victory from Michael Madigan because he got 60% of the vote. Even if all the sham candidates gave their votes to Gonzalez, he would still get less than 60% of the vote. You see, because 60 minus 100, wait, I'm all mixed up. If you take away 60 from 100, you get 40. (laughs) There. Just edit the other stuff out, please. I will. I'll look good. Don't worry about that. Uh, I but, won't. But hey, he's really good at maps, right? <laughs> Madigan? Yes. 
Really good oh, at maps. Really good at maps. I was really good at maps. Oh, no, you're horrible at it. He's really good at maps, right? Yeah. Michael Joseph Maddie going to run in the map situation. Oh, no, we didn't have these lawsuits. No way. Okay. <laughs> in yeah, other yeah. news, Ben, did you know that nearly 60% of those eligible in Illinois are now fully vaccinated? Did you know that? 60? 60. I did not know that. Well, it's true. And the fact is, wait, what's the fact again, Governor? Oh, my God, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> the fact is that, yeah, that I, I think we've out. all lived through this long enough now to not jump the gun and say, oh, gosh, it's flattened out. Everything is so much better. Um, we've got to really see the, the curve heading downward. Uh, but I, I'm very hopeful of that. 60% vaccinated. I have not seen that statistic. Is that, uh, did you, does it say that's made it vaccinated? up? You know, you, don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, I just saw it. I saw it on uh, the governor's uh, the governor's website. Oh, 60 percent. So, all right, I'll ask the question of the governor. Governor, do you mean that they're fully vaccinated uh, or just they have had one shot? What is that 60 percent? Ah, Buster Rhymes. That was last week's show. <laughs> Buster Rhymes on a DL Hewley take down to Buster Rhymes. Anyway, um, so I don't sixty percent. It sounds horrible. It's awful, in my humble opinion. I mean, guys, the vaccine is so simple. I, I mean, I, it's really no big deal. You get shots all the time. D, I do not understand the anti-vaxxer thing. I don't get it. I and I openly admit I don't get it. Uh, and now maybe and then you know maybe people at first I thought well they have an aversion to needles. And then a lot of these guys that get tattoos. And then I've heard the expert, well, Ben, you know, see, it's different with a tattoo. I'm like, how is it different? Uh, well, it doesn't go as deeply into the skin. It's ink they're putting into your body. Anyway, I, um, I think 60% is uh, inadequate. With something as simple and easy as a vaccine, I would have been, I feel a lot better if it were uh, 90%. By the way, did you see the new rule about uh, Bulls games? Did you see that? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, I'm not bragging or anything, D, but oh. uh, the guys and my buddies and my bowling team and I have purchased, made an investment into Bulls tickets for next year. Yeah, we'll be going to Bulls games and we're all vaccinated. We were talking about that on the phone yesterday. We have our cards and everything and we're going to show our little cards at, uh, you know, I don't know how that's more intrusive, by the way, my libertarian friends, than what they make you go through right now to go to a Bulls game. Yeah, I got to go through the metal detector. They frisk you. They, uh, can I see that purse, please? You know, I, one time I brought a, dumbly brought a backpack. I think you were with me, D. Yeah, I was I brought with the you. backpack. Jeez, like, with this and, backpack. <laughs> he's like, Ben, aren't you a little old to have a backpack? Uh, so they made me give them the backpack. Remember that? I had to give them the backpack. So it's already a loss of liberty, libertarians. Why are you worry about this one as opposed to all the others? Got to ask that question. I'm just saying, libertarians, you guys are a little. Inca- you talk about Lori Lightfoot with the mixed messages and COVID. Do we have any Lori Lightfoot mixed message COVID stories? That I love. Yes, I think we do. As a matter of fact, um, as we talk about how what a mixed message Lori Lightfoot has been delivering about uh, COVID with Lollapalooza. She loves Lollapalooza more than anything. Uh, but libertarians, you guys are kind of over, all over the map too, just saying. Yes, we've successfully kicked off the COVID-19 portion of our program. 
And it's truly two separate st- uh, two separate states, guys. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune and Lisa Schinker. The latest surge in COVID-19 cases has hit many parts of the state hard, but perhaps no region has felt it more than southern Illinois, where hospitals say they're filling their ICU beds, postponing surgeries, and even turning away some patients. In southern Illinois, just 8% of ICU beds were available as of Wednesday night, and the weekly average was less than 6%. At one point last week, only one ICU bed was available across all 22 hospitals in southern Illinois, a region with more than 400,000 residents. Yeah, we got to bring Dr. Pamela back uh, from all Illinois to talk about this. Uh, she's our every show has one D, a downstate doctor, uh, big advocate of uh, Medicare for all, big Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, so, D, when I was talking about the 60 percent that Governor Pritzker said statewide is 60 percent, I my guess is I don't have the numbers in front of me that it's. There's a higher proportion of people in the Chicago area who are vaccinated than downstate, and those numbers would bear that out. So the 60% does not reflect the vaccination rate downstate, and it's scary. And I read that article in the Tribune today. It was very scary, and it was very similar to one. I don't know if you saw this, D, that AP ran about Idaho, a very frightening outbreak of COVID in Idaho. The hospitals are overrun, and they're always interviewing these doctors and nurses uh, from the intensive care units who are begging people to get vaccinated, begging, they're overwhelmed by it, you know, um, and, and they keep saying the obvious, like, if you get the shot, you won't be here because everybody in the unit is unvaccinated. You know, we, Joe Rogan was unvaccinated. He didn't have to have to go to a hospital, but he has contacts and he's a celebrity. It's like when Rudy Giuliani got COVID and Donnie Trump got COVID. Celebrities get special treatment that ordinary people don't get. So more often than not, they don't wind up in a hospital hooked up to a machine. And these doctors and nurses losing their minds trying to keep them alive. And it's frightening. And it's so simple, you could avoid it by getting vaccinated. I can't even get the words out. You know, it's just, it's so upsetting. I try to make jokes on this show, but this is really, I, there's no joke to be made about it. If you read this article in the Tribune, who wrote it again, D? Did you say Lisa was her shanker? Yeah. Uh, it was a very good article. Uh, yes, Lisa uh, Schnecker, and according to, uh, i got to give this kid a credit, Joe Marr, there's another good article the two of them wrote, and it's very moving. Um, and... You know, people got caught up in this anti-vax movement, and now they're paying a price for it. And uh, so I, you know, here you got uh, J.B. Pritzker. His base is Chicago and Cook County uh, and DuPage County. And I would gather, D, I'll bet you, I bet you 90% of the people who support J.B. Pritzker from those areas are vaccinated. The people who are guaranteed to vote against him are unvaccinated. Guaranteed votes against JB. In fact, I'll ask you this, D. Do you think what percentage of the unvaccinated people in Illinois are going to vote for JB Pritzker? Oh, you're asking is, me? Yeah. You're <laughs> me? <laughs> Dr. Arwadi or something? <laughs> Dr. Arwadi. 
No, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, if you come, folks. I wish you could have seen his face. It was like I suddenly got a a sense of what Dennis's fifth grade teacher I experienced. One day she called on Dennis. Dennis, what is the answer to this question? And he looked up a so star. Huh? What? He's like Brian Regan. One of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan, does this bit about how dumb he is in school. Though the guy's really smart, I urge everybody to check out Brian Regan's bit about the spelling bee. Which I watched that I think I don't know fifty times in my life, and I just keep laughing. But huh? Dennis gave me what? What? You're asking me a question? <laughs> anyway, the question was what percent? Of people who are not vaccinated in the state of Illinois, do you think will vote for J.B. Pritzker? I say it's less than 10%. Oh, it's more than 10%. Really? Yeah. Let's say like 35. You think 35% of the unvaccinated people in the state of Illinois are going to vote for J.B. Pritzker? Absolutely. Against D.B.? Why not? Fowler runs? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, okay. Whatever. There's really no way of proving it, by the way. It's... Uh, utter speculation but the point is he he has to represent everybody even the people that are like got what what do, what do the signs say d pritzker sucks yeah. you know you gotta he has to worry about them too you know he has to he's not like donald trump he's it, he's got to have empathy because that's who he is and uh, donald trump wouldn't openly not care about him and mock him you know people who were contemptuous of him so uh it's a tough challenge man if if large majorities of people and communities uh, downstate aren't getting the shot, this current uh, Delta variant, man, it's going to fill up the hospitals. And those poor doctors and nurses are in the front lines, and they didn't ask for this, that's for sure. All right, now to the news in the city of Chicago, but still news about COVID-19. And you know we are about due for a story involving these two. And if you think the issues between the Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union were settled, oh, you were sadly mistaken. Time to clear off whatever clutter is on that bargaining table, baby. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Stefano Esposito. With the first week of the fall term more than half over, the Chicago Teachers Union on Thursday accused Chicago Public Schools of duct-taping together COVID-19 safety measures. The union told reporters at a news conference outside Barton Elementary School on the south side Thursday that there are major problems with everything from the rollout of COVID tests in schools, to managing crowds in buildings, to replacing filthy air filters. In a news release this week, the union said steps could include escalating actions. We have audio from that conference. Here's CTU President Jesse Sharkey. I am... Right now... um... Just kidding. You got sharkied, guys. We just sharkied all of you. You fooled me. I thought it was going to be a real clip from Jesse Shark. We just sharkied all of you, even Ben. Uh, yeah, Ben, your thoughts. Well, uh, Stacey Davis Gates was in a show Tuesday, and uh, I urge everybody to check it out because uh, she does a better job than I could of articulating this. Uh, and Troy LaRavier, the head of the Principals Association, who I just interviewed before this show, took it a step further. The current situation that we have in Chicago with Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, and is that she has bought into the notion that a, p- 
powerful and competent mayor is one who orders, orders her workforce what to do. And in fact, I, the sympathy I showed for police officers and firefighters, even if I disagree with them on the issue of the mandatory vaccine, the sympathy I showed toward them is how that command was dropped from the heavens on them, all city workers as a result. Uh, but where's the planning? Where's the reach out to employees so you can bring them in? And I keep saying this, and I, I text this to all my friends. The NBA is always bringing in its union to discuss whenever they have a protocol change about COVID. And they're far, by the way, they're getting more restrictive more and more, Dan. I don't know if you've been following this stuff, but they're now, they, I don't know if you saw this, they're proposing to the union, see what the union says, that I'm not making this up. Unvaccinated players are not allowed to be in the same part of the locker room as uh, vaccinated players. They're doing everything they can, the NBA, to f- just like, force people uh, to get uh, the vaccine short of mandating it. But they're working with the unions when they do this. The one consistent theme that Stacey Davis-Gates articulates when she comes in the show and Troy LaRavier articulates when he comes in the show is that CPS does not reach out to them and talk to them about what is needed. And it's, they just... Like have well, with the teacher, there's no communication whatsoever with the principals, but with the teachers, it's a series of hostile, passive aggressive bargaining table meetings, which are just implemented to what? Let everybody know that we're the boss and you work for us as opposed to any kind of working together. And so here we are, you know, you figured in June they would have sat down and ironed this stuff out. Just think about this, Steve. I was talking about this with Troy. But just think about the issue of uh, unvaccinated employees in the public schools of Chicago. And it's now here on October 15th, uh, it's that we're, talk- we're facing a mandate. Talk about it like unvaccinated bus drivers. In June, the heads of the CPS should have been thinking what can we do to guarantee that all our bus drivers are vaccinated, that all our clerks are vac- vaccinated? But what were they talking about in June? The powers of being in the city of Chicago? Lollapalooza. Remember that? Remember that, D? Remember that commercial? Yeah, it was going to be I a rocking good time, man. Yeah, it's going to be safe for Lollapalooza. And, and even, I, I mean, I don't want to be one of those podcasters who's always saying, I know I'm right, you know. Because more often than not, I'm wrong. I admit it. And if I won't admit it, Dennis will admit it. Or one of my listeners will admit it. But in this case, we could see there was already reports of the Delta variant. I remember we talked about it. Uh Uh-oh, we're going to be on lockdown. But at that moment, Chicago wanted to send out a message that it's party and fun and lollapalooza. Guys, for once, we know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out they didn't. Yeah. Turns out they didn't. So they were sending out one message, and now we're in a different reality. And it's just utter chaos. And it's because we got this notion 
in the city of Chicago that a mayor is not a mayor if he or she is not bossing people around. And Chicago, would you buy into that? I hate to say it. You buy into that. You love it. Oh, my God. Sometimes editorials, Tribune editorial, that's how you deal with them. Shut up. That's how Chicago deals with its public employee. Shut up. So this is where we're at. Either I know Stacy said she she didn't utter the strike word. Did you see that in the quote? The no, she didn't. Yeah. Utter the well, that was going to be my uh, question. Do you see another strike for real happening again? Well, I'm going to make one of my famous predictions uh, that I'll be wrong about, and then everybody. See, then you guys can say, Ben, you were wrong. I don't. I don't think it'll come to a strike. And maybe I'm just. What is that uh, emanating good vibes that I don't want it to happen? But I don't know if they'll be able to keep the schools open, which is a, you know what I'm saying? That's a whole different issue. Just the notion that there's supposed to be space between the kids, sufficient space. Uh, and they, like, as Stacy explained, she did a good job of explaining that's like aspirational. Like, like that's a goal as opposed to a reality. And some of these schools are so overcrowded. You think they would have figured that one out in June, huh, D? Huh? <laughs> no, no. Lollapalooza, man. Come on. Yeah. Lollapalooza. We can't have people thinking that there might be something bad going on. It's all good. Let's rock out. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a mixed message. How could you at the same time say it's great to pack 200,000 people into a mosh pit in Grant Park and then also say, well, we have to worry about spacing issues at the public schools, you know? So mixed messages catch up to you, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I know some of you out there go, Ben, don't ever say anything critical about Lori Life. I know I have some listeners who love Lori Lightfoot, but I have a hard time abiding by that, listeners, because... I don't think it's great leadership coming out of the city of Chicago, uh, particularly on this issue. If we could just get the Foo Fighters to play at these schools, then maybe we can, you know, get something. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Lori Lightfoot and Dr. Awadi? They got the doctor to play along with it. And you know what, D, when they were cutting those commercials, there were stories coming out about the Delta variant. Now we got to get Lala in. We got to get it in. Anyway, by the way, I use your line. Was yeah, oh cool? Yeah, I stole your line. I don't know if I gave you any credit. Probably not. But what was it? Which one was it? <laughs> um, oh my god, where was it? Was it? Was it? Uh, oh, it was with uh, conversation with Sam Holloway, my dear friend Sam Holloway. Was on the show yesterday, and he was talking about how Lollapalooza. There was uh, ah, it, we 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 dodged a bullet. There was only like two hundred people who. Uh, got contaminated with the virus. I go, 200 people, if they go home and this one infects that one and this one, then you're talking 500 people. What? Imagine if it was a, a bunch of MAGA motorcycle riders. I think that's your line. And I don't know if I gave you credit, D, for that. No, I was there. You didn't. Okay, so oh. <laughs> thanks. Oh, it was on the air? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I apologize. What the <laughs> heck? All right. Oh, and I'm going to make a bold prediction. Has nothing to do with anything really. But 2022, all right? 2022 will be the year of Stefano. Stefano Esposito is going to have a huge year in 2022. That's my prediction. Where did that come from? I don't know. I really don't know. I just have a feeling. I have a feeling like Tommy Two Joints just exploded onto the scene. He had he was probably the reporter for 2020, maybe going into 2021 as well. But Stefano Esposito, the reporter of the year 2022, he's going to blow right. up. 
Uh, and uh, he's a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. Back in the old days, when they allowed us into the building, remember those days, D? Yeah. Uh, we had that lovely studio, which I miss. I love that studio. I love. I actually enjoy going to the Sun-Times with some really nice people. Uh, Stefano was one of the nice guys, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, he was a friendly guy. Uh, so maybe this will be his year. Maybe uh, he'll be following in the illustrious footsteps of the great, the legendary, the immortal, young Thomas, Tommy, two joints, Shupa. <laughs> Man, Shuba's, I'm not, this is for real. That guy covers every freaking thing. I mean, he is huge in this business. Uh, proud graduate of Lincoln Park High School. Put Stefano in the game, coach. Come on. He's going to have a good year. I'm calling it right now. Don't know why, but I just have this feeling. All right. Uh, moving on to actual news here. Uh, let's end it out with everyone's favorite daily Chicago political soap opera. It's episode 665. Of a mayor and her alderman. A mayor and her alderman. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. In today's episode of a mayor and her alderman, an alderman kind of unfamiliar with the Ben Jarofsky show. Also, judging by the story we're about to read, an alderman who would have no problem getting a ladder and climbing up to Ben's attic to kick his ass if he says anything bad about him. Seriously, this dude looks like a badass. We're talking about alderman Jim Gardner. Ben of what ward? Come on. Come on, D. 45. What a freak. Okay, the following comes from the fine folks at Block Club Chicago. Yes, Ben, they're more than just alligator stories, all right? Alligators and aldermen. This comes from Ariel Perella Aureli. Text messages between Alderman Jim Gardner and a former aide show the Northwest Side leader blasting his critics and political opponents and urging an employee to avoid helping a constituent who voted against him. The text message from 2019 were between the alderman and a person who no longer works for him. The leaked texts were published by the People's Fabric, a community website focused on Northwest Side political news. In one text exchange, Gardner refers to Alderman Scott Wagaspak's chief of staff as his bitch. The aide said this was after a briefing held by Mayor Lori Lightfoot that Gardner sent them to because he could not attend. In another text, Gardner calls Alderman Tom Tunney, the fellow you just heard in this clip here. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Gardner calls Alderman Tom Tunney the city's first openly gay alderman. He called him a bitch and adds... His words, not mine. Fuck him. The former staffer said this exchange was in reference to Tunney's appearance at a 2019 zoning meeting, which failed to advance the point project at six corners because then Alderman Margaret Lorino, uh, a Ben of what ward? Well, she's no longer uh, of that ward, but she was the 39th Oh, ward. you can't fool this guy. Uh, said not enough aldermen were present. Another text message about the exchange reads, Tunney said he would not be here yesterday, and he is. Fucking snake. Oh, my God. And now the blowback. Ann Emerson, chief of staff for Waggis Pack, said it's disgusting and deeply disappointing that a community leader thinks it's necessary and appropriate to refer to a woman as a bitch. Waggis Pack called the text misogynistic and said Gardner owes the public and Emerson an apology. Mayor Lightfoot's office said the mayor also saw the People's Fabric report. Uh, let's see here. Cesar Rodriguez says while the alderman did not acknowledge that he wrote these texts, the mayor urged him to apologize 
apologize to those individuals as soon as possible. The words attributed to him are personally offensive to the mayor and any woman who reads them. Yes. Well, I have a lot to say uh, on this subject. First of all, uh, I'm, I'm with Scotty uh, and Ann Emerson. I know Ann Emerson back in the day. I haven't talked to her in a long, long time, but uh, she was she's a good progressive. And uh, yeah, yeah, Jim Gardner owes uh, her an apology. He owes Tom Tunney an apology. He's out of control behavior by the alderman of the 45th Ward. And he uh, he needs some sort of help to deal with this. Um, yeah, he probably, uh, you're right, D. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like a scared of the guy because he does seem a little out of control. I would not call him a badass. I generally use the word badass uh, as a compliment to someone who challenges the powers that be. And it's like Stacey Davis Gates is a badass. She's not afraid to take tough stands. Troy LaRavier is a badass. But when you're just a bully, that's what you are, a bully. And there's so much bully-like behavior in the city of Chicago. I mean, this is just a city that promotes bullyism. We were just talking about it with the mayor. Shut up, sit down. The, the editorial board of Chicago Sun Times. Shut up. Get back to work. I mean, just that's 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 that Chicago bully mentality. And but this guy takes it to a degree. Jim Gardner, uh, he was elected in 2019. And here's the funny thing. Ooh, let's see if Dennis can do this. Oh God. He, who did he succeed as alderman of the 45th Ward? Young Dennis. 45th Ward alderman. 45th Ward alderman. <laughs> who the hell was it? You actually know this. I know. I know. I know this. And I can't think of it. I know. And I can't think of it right now. The old radio station that. Oh, my God. uh, uh, Arena. Arena. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Remember when John Arena came to the show at the radio station? Everybody was kissing his ass. Oh, other men. I love you. Is the coffee hot enough, sir? (laughs) That was me. That was me. Is the coffee hot enough, sir? (laughs) That was me. Oh, my goodness. Johnny Arena came in. Uh, Sir, there's a pothole behind the station that we want you to deal with. Uh, But they always say that John Arena had a bad temper. I had friends up in the 45th bed. He's just out of control. Well, guys, John Arena is the prince of peace compared to this guy Gardner. Guy's out of control. He owes an apology to Ann Emerson. He should deliver it. And he should be, he just, man up and just, Deal with it. If you got anger management issues, you got to deal with them. We started talking about mental health. We started the show talking about it, D, you know, and uh, it just seems out of control and unnecessary. And you owe Ann Emerson an apology. And by the way, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, don't think I haven't forgotten. You owe Jeanette Taylor an apology, JT. I have not forgotten that. Why do people in the city of Chicago, elected leaders, think it's a sign of power and strength to be abusive? Uh, Please explain that to me. What is it about the psyche of Chicago elected leaders, politicians, that makes them think that it's a sign of strength to be a bully, to pick on people who can't fight back or you don't think can fight back? Why does that make you a big shot? Why does that make you tough to beat up someone who is in a position where they really can't fight back? I don't understand. I do not understand the mentality of Chicago. Don't get it, D. Never have. I've lived there since 1981. I've never understood that. And it's really prominent. I've seen it now with three new different mayors. Richard M. Daly, Rahm Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel, bast in that. I'm tough. I 
I will cut you off at the knees. I'll drop the F-bomb at you. You know, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's how you run a city. And Lori Lightfoot picked up some of that stuff, the way she treated Jeanette Taylor. The way, th- that clip we always play, <laughs> you know, Byron Sixto Lopez. So I don't get a D. But I, I can't say that uh, Rom or Lori Lightfoot did anything as low as what uh, Alderman Gardner had, uh, did to Ann Emerson. So Alderman Gardner, your apology. And it doesn't make you less of a human being to apologize for your abusive behavior. That's something else Chicagoans got to get over. Do something stupid. You do something wrong. You act like a bully. And you realize there is a way. Apologize. Nope, not Chicago. Never apologize. You always come up with an excuse. It's always someone else's fault. Yeah, it's you really know, weird. Johnny Catanzara blaming absolute Fran Spielman because he said something stupid. How about that? Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, I didn't know I was being quoted. Well, what difference does it make? If you were quoted, if you don't like what you said, why'd you say it? <laughs> and why all the cursing, guys? My God. Just a lot of cursing going on between these politicians here in Chicago. Well, I don't know if we have a leg to stand on that one, D. Lately, I've noticed even you've had a toilet mouth. Yes, you. Oh, who, yeah, Alderman Dennis. I'm not <laughs> running for anything. We're just two dudes doing a podcast. Good point. Good point. Oh, shout out to Kathy on the live stream chat. She says, Gardner doesn't say much, but when he does, it belongs in that porta potty in Ben's <laughs> alley. <laughs> Hold on, Kathy. Let me see if uh, Gardner's in the porta potty. <laughs> By the way, they put a fence around the porta potty. Oh, there we go. There we go. We got to keep the porta potty. We just got to put a fence around it now. I like that. (laughs) Porta potty's still there. (laughs) There's porta potty parties going on that you're not seeing, I guess. Uh, Yeah. So you could say that Jim Gardner has a porta potty mouth. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Coming in hot, buddy. Coming in hot. All right. Uh, We still have more uh, aldermanic news to discuss here. I know, Ben. It's crazy here. It's probably the last story we talk about. And finally, you know, Ben, it's been a while since we've done this, and I think it's due time. We haven't slapped the word gate on anything all year. So here we go. What the hell? For old time's sake, lifeguard gate has arrived. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran Spielman. Two new appointees to the Chicago Park District Board were put on notice Thursday. Aldermen want them to clean up the ugly culture that allegedly set the stage for sexual assault, sexual harassment, physical, verbal, drug, and alcohol abuse among the district's lifeguards. Uh, Mayetti Hamilton and Modesto Valle were on the hot seat at a confirmation hearing before the city council's meeting on special events, cultural affairs, and recreation. Such hearings normally are love fests. Finance Committee Chairman Scott Wagaspak made it into two stories this week, pointed to the firing of Chicago Park District Deputy Inspector General Nathan Kipp, which Kipp has called a concerted effort to prevent him from continuing to investigate criminal activity and employee misconduct that seemingly pervade the Beaches and Pools Unit. This is a direct retaliation, which is prohibited, and to see the board and the Park District supervisors not jump in and see that this is a problem when we have decades of this problem 
problem going on, it cannot be resolved overnight. It cannot be resolved by simply making a few changes, and it really puts any third-party report into the position of being suspect or undermining what the actual code says. That was from all from Scott Wagaspak there. Wagaspak noted the city council is powerless to remove anybody. That puts the onus on the board. Uh, ben, I know you wanted to talk about this story here, the, the latest unfoldings in Lifeguard Gate. Yeah, I uh, first of all, shout out to Dan Miaopoulos, ace uh, bulldog investigative reporter uh, for WBEZ, uh, who has been the, the main investigator digging out the dirt on this one. Wow. This thing is just uh, surreal, folks, after a while. What a, what a comment about Chicago. What a comment about how we do things in the city of Chicago. So there was a culture, a frat boy culture at the, uh, apparently in the lifeguard community in which uh, men were preying upon uh, the younger women who got jobs as being lifeguards and like all these bizarre, really weird initiation rites that they had to go through uh, with drinking and foul language and just sexual harassment. These are all allegations. And a report was made by one of the lifeguards uh, of very specific allegations of what life is like for women lifeguards in the city of Chicago. Uh, And she delivered that to Mike Kelly, who's the head of the park districts. Okay. Just follow me on this one, folks, because this is unbelievable. And Kelly promised her that uh, he would turn it over to the inspector general immediately because he took very seriously her allegations. Well, he didn't turn it over immediately. He didn't turn it over for another six weeks. He didn't turn it over until he got another series of allegations delivered to him from Mayor Lori Lightfoot's office. Somebody else had delivered uh, allegations to Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and she or somebody in her staff kicked it over to Kelly and said, you got to look into this. And that's when Kelly uh, sent the investigation to the inspector general. So you have to ask yourself, if that second series of allegations hadn't come in, would he have looked into it at all? It's so Chicago. It's like Mayor Rahm Emanuel. If the if the Cook County judge hadn't ordered Mayor Rahm to release the videotape of Laquan McDonald, would he have ever le- released it? People are always covering stuff up in the city of Chicago. A city. Anyway, so Danny Mialopoulos gets a hold of this story and is just breaking one story after another. And uh, the Sun-Times jumps on the bandwagon. They start writing about it. I don't know, Tribune, you can pick up the pace a little bit. Okay, guys. Uh, and uh, it's an important story. And so far, the only guy punished was the investigator. D, this is unbelievable. Uh, oh, boy, uh, Nathan Kipp. I don't know him at all. He's an investigator for the Park District. We're supposedly looking into it. He gets fired. Well. <laughs> Please explain why he's fired. He didn't do any of the harassment. He wasn't running the frat boy-like atmosphere at the park district. He wasn't the one drinking on the job, smoking reefer. You know, I love smoking reefer, but I don't know if my lifeguard smoking reefer and drinking on the job when they're supposed to be saving people. But somehow he got fired. I'm, I'm like speechless. I, this may be a first for Chicago. Any long-time Chicagoans, correct me. Can you rethink, at least in this century, of any instance where the investigator who's investigating the wrongdoing was the person who got fired and nothing happens? Nothing happens. Everybody's outraged about sexual harassment like when it happens somewhere else. You ever notice that, Dave? So, like... 
you know, Mayor Lightfoot's office is rightfully outraged at the remarks by Jim Gardner regarding Ann Emerson. And he should apologize and they should be outraged. But where's the outrage toward all the sexual harassment going on at the park district? The only guy I got punished is the guy who was doing the investigation. I don't get it, D. Again, city of Chicago. I don't know why you put up with this stuff year after year, mayor after mayor. <laughs> so anyway, that's the situation. So these two appointees, we have a uh, park district board is appointed like the school board. And uh, generally you only get uh, to be on a, a mayoral appointee. If you pretty much pledge to do whatever the mayor tells you, uh, that's kind of condition of the job. And that's something else that Chicago does. Anyway, they come before the city council to be approved. Uh, and Scotty Wagesback wants to ask some questions about this. And uh, no, Andre Vasquez, 40th Ward. My apologies. It was Andre Vasquez, Alderman of the 40th Ward, the hip-hop Alderman, the basketball-playing Alderman. Um, he wants to ask questions about it. Nick Spazzato, my dear friend, Nick Spazzato is the chair of the committee. He's like, he doesn't know how fair of a question it is. And then he says, quote, if either one of you wants to answer that question or just take a path, I'm pass. I'm fine with it. Nick, take a pass? Why would you want to? And he goes on to explain it's something that didn't happen under your watch. Okay, maybe if we believe that they've discontinued the frat boy policy, it didn't literally happen when they were, they haven't even been approved yet. So, yes, it happened before they were even nominees. But, Nick, it's an ongoing investigation. It's like something they should comment on. Why are we protecting them? We should hear what they have to say. I, for one, would like to hear what they have to say about the inspector being the only guy fired. But, no, in Chicago, it's like we must protect the mayor at all costs. Nothing's changed in the city. I mean, lots have changed in the city, folks, but there's some basic things that haven't changed. So I saw that story, Dean. I'm like shaking my head. Come on, Nick. You know, I love you, but come on. By the way, I've tried looking it up. I can't find anything online. Nick Spazzato, not a rapper. <laughs> That's Vasquez. That's his lane, you know? Oh, my God. Nick. Come on, Nick. You got to laugh at that one. Nick Spazzato. <laughs> He's <laughs> Nick. What are those battles they used to, you know, Eminem and Clarence? What are those uh, battles called again, Dean? Rap battles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost had it. <laughs> Nick was great at rap battles. You didn't know that? Nick and Nick and Andre had a throwdown once. <laughs> Nick Spazzato, step it up now. Tomato. I know a secret about you. <laughs> Your name is Clarence, and you have parents. Damn, Nick. <laughs> come on, Nick, seriously. God, come on. They're not like little cubes of sugar that are going to melt in the rain. If you ask them a question... I don't, I don't want to answer that question because it may look as though if I answer it that I'm critical of the mayor and I'm never critical of the mayor because the mayor is all powerful. <laughs> <laughs> what a city! Tomato, tomato, spazato, spazato. You know what I mean? That'd be good. By the way, there's someone I know in the city of Chicago, and I'm not allowed to mention his name, who does an unbelievably on-target imitation of Alderman Nick Spazato. Oh. One day I'll bring him on the show, but we're not going to mention his name. And it's not me, guys. He's not. He's talking about someone else. All right. Hey, everybody. That's our show this week. Uh, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. Over a million downloads. We need to mention that more. 
That's awesome. Over a million downloads, the Ben Jarofsky Show, all right? Uh, go check it out, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, or wherever else you download podcasts. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Give us a review. Five stars only. Check it out. Also, you can find us online, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, Show at gmail.com, and you can call this program. It's true. 708 708- 658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to give it the uh, outro. That was another episode of A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. <laughs> you have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. All right, Alderman Tom Tuddy of the 44th Ward. Uh, excellent job, uh, young doctor, as you always do, and somehow managed to get through the show without one word about Joe Rogan. Yeah, we'll talk about him next week. It's crazy. It's great. <laughs> he did say that in his little Instagram message. It's crazy out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. D, great job as you always do. And uh, as I forget what they say. Uh, oh, as Jim Gardner, John Arena, Scotty Waggersback will say, tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning because he's so fast. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. I am. Uh, I am. Um, right now, um.